Money FM 89.3, the best of your money. Market View on Money FM 89.3. Good Monday morning. I'm Michelle Martin. Asia Pacific markets are trading in the red this morning following a bout of selling on Wall Street on Friday. Tokyo, Sydney and Seoul are all down about 1% or more. Investors are once again worried about the prospect of higher interest rates. Joining me now as we break down all the market action. He's been out of action for a while. Welcome back, Ryan Huang. Happy Monday, Michelle. Good to speak with you again. Let's start this morning with two corporate stories about two barons of the business and investing worlds, names that regularly top the news. Now, each is interested in buying something or more of something, to be precise, and we ask why. All right, enough of prelude. The investment barons are Warren Buffett and Elon Musk. The story about Buffett is linked to oil. And the story about Musk is linked to brain chips. Yes, I did say that. We'll get to that in a moment, but first Warren Buffett. On Friday, Buffett's investment vehicle Berkshire Hathaway received permission to buy up to half of the oil giant Occidental Petroleum. It already owns a 20% stake in the company. Occidental shares jumped 10% on the news. So, Ryan, why does the Oracle of Omaha love Occidental Petroleum? Yeah, on the surface, it looks like a no-brainer, right? When you look at energy stocks, they have been on a tear in recent months and years off the back of rising energy demand. And this is where oil prices, we've seen that go up, and oil energy companies also benefiting from those higher prices. Occidental Petroleum has been one of them. So he already has a big stake, about 20%-ish, and he is now set to buy even more after getting approval to do so. So this is where things like you know, building on his stake to just control what he already loves, that's quite the Warren Buffett playbook, right? Just keep buying what you like and adding to your stake. And if you look at the climate right now. A lot of it is driven by uncertainty and if you look at inflation, that's also seeing a lot of pressure play out. And if you look at what's out there in terms of safe havens, oil actually could be one of those places because of the Ukraine war, for example. Uh, That's putting prices higher when it comes to energy demand. And also, when you look at how Berkshire Hathaway's balance sheet has been just stuffed with so much cash. It's been trying to find ways to spend it and it looks like acquisitions or at least bidding up of stakes has been one popular trend for Berkshire Hathaway. So the regulatory filing that permits Buffett to increase his stake in Occidental Petroleum is a formality. It still remains to be seen if he will actually do so. So what's interesting is markets are speculating that Ultimately, Buffett wants to buy the whole company. But even if he does not do so, he may still profit. There's another perspective about the story by a Bloomberg columnist, Liam Denning. And Denning argues that there are a number of ways for Buffett to make money from his existing stake in the oil company. Tell us more, Ryan. Yeah, This is a bit of a history lesson going on because... Occidental Petroleum, many years ago, was involved in a bidding war, which it lost out to um, another company. And this involved Chevron as well. But all, you know, just uh, TLDR, uh, eventually Warren Buffett benefited from the entire saga and he walked away with some preferred options to buy more shares to the tune of um, nearly $10 billion worth of options. So that is something that he could use as uh, leverage eventually to 
just buy more shares or trade those options. And also those options act as what some people see as a safeguard for the management for Oxygen Petroleum in terms of what tough ambitions they might do in terms of overexpanding or just doing things that might not be beneficial to the company. So if those things just hang over Occidental Petroleum, um, it could steer the company to operate more sustainably. So what do you think? Um, does it make sense to follow Buffett's apparent lead buy into Occidental Petroleum or any other energy stocks now? If you look at Warren Buffett's track record, if you pretty much follow what he's been doing for pretty much his entire life, you'll be a very rich person. But of course, there is that caveat. He has been wrong a couple of times, <laughs> including his bet on airlines not too long ago. Oh, yes. He yes. had to sell off everything. So he's got, well, more hits than misses. So if you like what he does, then you And should. you can afford to be wrong. Yeah, you also have to bear in mind, Ron Buffett, when he does these deals, he gets preferred terms because right. of the size of his transactions. So he gets special deals that you don't get and special prices. So his entry point is different. That's a good, good note. Next up, listen, I promise you a story about Elon Musk and brain chips. I thought this was initially a story for the comic pages because, you know, Dilbert has been running this whole series about a character with an implanted brain chip and about selling these chips to the public. <laughs> yes, I remember that character. <laughs> it turns out that companies are actually working on this. Elon Musk has a business called Neuralink that has been researching how to connect human brains directly to machines. And now he is reportedly interested in making another acquisition in this field. I mean, some people said that that was the whole reason why he wanted to buy Twitter, because he wanted to add to the base for Neuralink to figure out how people naturally mm. chat with each other and conversation evolves. But let's take a step back. Aside from the sci-fi nature of the story, what could brain chips be used for? Yeah, as you can imagine, the word Neuralink is where you've got uh, your brain being linked to something. And in this case possibly your device or appliance. And uh, in the medical field or space, some patients, are, for example, after going through a car accident or a stroke, they lose some functions of their brain. So with the chip, it can then act as a bridge to re-establish some of those functions and even more, perhaps, to go beyond that and just operate the device remotely, almost like telepathy. So that's, I think, one way how these brain chips could benefit um, some of these stroke patients or accident victims. So potential users, uh, still early days, but very exciting prospects. Indeed, especially if it means paralyzed patients can, you know, operate devices just with their brains, which is something another company has already done, actually. Um, but tell us more about this potential deal that Musk is looking at. What is the name of the acquisition target? How far advanced are its brain chip implant efforts? Okay, so what he has insight is a company called Synchron. Right. And this is where we've got reports he has reached out to Synchron to do up a deal. Details are sparse. Not exactly sure what type of um, play he's trying to go here or what he's trying to buy exactly, but he is trying to reach a deal with them. Uh, but what's worth noting is that there is an advantage with Synchron's technology. Uh, right now, if you look at what Neuralink does, uh, the chip in order to use it, you need to slice up a bit of a skull. So it has to be a bit more invasive uh, in that sense. Whereas for Synchron's technology, uh, you can use a chip without 
cutting the skull to install it. So that is, I guess, the breakthrough that Elon Musk is quite impressed with. And either he's trying to buy the company or buy the technology or work with Synchron in some fashion. And this idea of a no-scalpel installation into your skull is not just theoretical. Last month, Synchron actually passed a, a milestone. It did implant its device in a patient in the US for the first time. Yeah, who needs Alexa or Google Home now? Oh, oh gosh. Back to the Dilbert comic strip. Dilbert's company is apparently selling two chips, the red one that allows you to see reality for the first time and the blue one that keeps people in an illusion. So you're just back from holidays, right? <laughs> uh, which would you buy? Oh, I think it's a mix of both. Uh, I'm still <laughs> straddling between both worlds right now, as most people would coming back from a long stretch of leave. I am in one place still thinking about <laughs> the past week and then I'm still trying to get back into the groove um, oh. with, with this Monday. Well, according to Dilbert's pointy-haired boss, there have been no orders for the red one that helps people see reality. Only the blue illusion chips. That seems popular. All right, time for a totally different topic. And for this, let's turn to China, which is planning to offer special loans to troubled property developers. So don't these developers already have enough debt, Ryan? Why is China lending them more money? Okay, so this is with the backdrop of how much trouble the property sector has been going through. I think in recent headlines, you've seen how many buyers have been boycotting their mortgages. So right now, China is trying to address that issue by offering special loans to those troubled property developers because it's all about cash flow when you're trying to run a business. The developers need money to pay their vendors, their contractors, and so on. So without that cash flow, things will just grind to a halt and then there will be that domino effect and things will just spiral into an even worse problem. So mm-hmm. hopefully with the latest special loan, uh, things can improve. It's almost like a bridging or bridge of sorts where uh, they are trying to just get these developers to tide over the current problem. So hopefully that's enough to get them by. China's markets, meanwhile, have been having a rough quarter. The MSCI China index down about 12% so far, while a global gauge of stocks is up 8%. I'm going to turn to U.S. markets now. They finished in the red last week as the S&P 500 snapped a four-week winning streak. Tech stocks, the worst performers, and Nasdaq fell 2.6% over the past five trading sessions. Analysts everywhere trying to figure out what's really driving the markets. Is it inflation fears, interest rates, corporate earnings, something else? Well, one market watcher says he has had a godfather moment. Ryan, do you remember how in, in the movies... <laughs> Corleone realizes too late which rival okay, is pulling the strings. Okay, I've got a secret to tell you. I've never watched oh The Godfather my... before. No. <laughs> what Ro- is it about? You ruined my setup. <laughs> what is this movie about? Rival families, a mafia boss who's being taken down and uh, he figures out too late what's been going on. Ah, right. Okay, okay. Sounds like a classic. Oh, you haven't watched it. Oh my goodness, all my Sicilian jokes will fall flat on you as well. All right, so Bloomberg's John Authors argues that he's just figured out what has been driving markets all along. So what is it? Okay, so he is just you know, saying things are just going to be running ahead of themselves in effect where things may 
actually have already happened without people knowing it. Mm. And that is pretty much the case when you look at, looks at how some of the economy is being run and businesses are being run. For example, if you look at how oil is still enjoying so much success, it is quite strange when you look at how the economy is so much more service-driven and knowledge-driven. But ironically, oil companies are still benefiting from those higher prices and higher energy demand. So that is one of those things he is just painting how you, know, you need to be aware of, I guess, in effect, trends and mm-hmm. what is the reality on the ground you mm-hmm. uh, need to connect with. Um, and some of these trends uh, may not have strong fundamentals. I think that's what I take away from the entire article, um, how things may be uh, running ahead of themselves sometimes. All right. Aside from oil prices, what is on investors' radars this week? I understand there's a big meeting in Jackson Hole, Wyoming. Yeah, the annual getaway where the Fed officials will be partying at the Jackson Hole Symposium. Um, They will also be doing a lot of serious business, including uh, talking about interest rates. And this is where you have those expectations just creeping up day by day that the Fed will remain aggressive or even more than aggressive uh, with what's been happening with the economic backdrop. Um, we did see a bit of moderation with the inflation data recently, but expectations are now creeping back up that they will remain aggressive. So that's the speech that will be in focus come Friday where Fed Chair Jerome Powell is expected to uh, paint the Outlook and possibly he will have the chance to reset those expectations uh, depending on how he sways and what data he wants to lean on. And that's one. And of course, you have data on Friday night mm. from the US that is the PCE data, the Personal Consumption Expenditures Index. That is going to be interesting to watch because we've talked about how uh, possibly a recession is around the corner. And that will be interesting to see how that's, weigh- that's, that's weighing on the consumer in the US. Are they cutting back on spending? And where are they cutting back on spending? And we talk about where they are cutting back or how they're shifting their, sh- their spending patterns. Mm-hmm. The earnings this week will be one to watch because the likes of Dollar General and Dollar Tree will be reporting their numbers come Thursday night. So that's a bit like Daiso for us where you have people able to buy these things at really cheap prices because they're house brands or they're bargain items. So if they can show that consumers are starting to cut back on high margin items and towards these uh, more, I guess, house brands and cheaper items, that will paint a scenario or expectation of where the spending patterns are shifting towards. Uh, also, on the earnings front, it will be interesting to watch out for Grab on Thursday as well as Property Guru. And in the semicon space, NVIDIA will be one to watch and that's going to be on Wednesday night. Uh, already, NVIDIA has flagged that it is seeing slowing growth. People not gaming as much because they are going back to work not working from home. And also, the crypto winter is seeing people just cutting back on demand for mining rigs. So that is also weighing on NVIDIA. So that is one to watch this week. All right. Speaking of earnings, it is time for Up or Down, our Monday morning game. Let's look at corporate news for Sing Post, Ryan. All right. Sing Post. I'm not sure you've been following this guy called Stephen Lim. He's been in the news recently, um, but I will get back to that in a moment. Um, so first quarter, Singh Post profit was down 47% on higher costs. And 
it is seeing some weakness in the business. So not mm. super for Singapore. So I would say it's a down. But he has a strong supporter in this influencer called Stephen Lim. Apparently, he sold his entire HDB flat and bought everything using his cash on SingPost. One stock. Wow. He's bet big on SingPost. So hopefully, he walks away down the road with, I guess, a good news. More than a home, hopefully. Right now, it does not look that way. Singapore's way down. Singapore's profits fell nearly 50% in the last quarter due to higher costs. Wow, what a bet, that one. Let's look at Oxley Holdings. Okay, Oxley Holdings is going to be a down for me. And this is where earnings are uh, painting a picture of a drop of 75% to 32 million dollars for its FY 2022. So this is off the back of lower revenue contribution from overseas projects like in Cambodia, the UK, Ireland and Malaysia. Another down this morning, Oxley Holdings, a property developer, lost more than $20 million in the last quarter. All right, Twitter. Twitter. It's a tough time to be a Twitter employee these days. But it's going to be down for me. They are being warned by their CFO that their bonuses are on track to being cut by 50% because of the financial challenges the company is facing. So it's quite reflective of how the tech space is going through a hard time right now. Yeah, so three for three, another down. Twitter is warning employees that may cut their annual bonuses in half as well. Tesla prices... Tesla is an up for me, yeah. at least prices. Mm. Uh, this is with the news. Tesla is going to be increasing its full-service driving package price to $15,000 from $12,000. So this is the almost autopilot system that it's um, being sold overseas, not in Singapore. Uh-huh. Uh, so it's called the FSD. And it is something that they are just um, working on in terms of improving. And I think it has something to do as well uh, with the rising costs that is trying to uh, pass on to its customers. So things are headed up for Tesla prices. More specifically, Tesla is raising raising the price of its full self-driving software by 25%. All right, from Tesla, let's swing to Lamborghini sales. Lamborghini is going to be... And up for me. So it is zooming along with people buying more of its cars. So it looks like people are still quite happy to buy Lamborghinis. Even though we talk about recession and high interest rates, that's not put off those richer people from snapping up Lamborghinis. Yeah, apparently no shortage of those who want a Lamborghini. The car is booked out till 2024. Let's check in on how stocks are doing this morning. We are 23 minutes into the local trading day. A sell-off on Friday erased all of the Straits Times Index's gains last week. The SDI finished down 0.7% for the week at 32.46. How are the blue chips doing this morning, Ryan? Are they moving back to positive territory? Okay, across the region, it's been under pressure for the morning. And so far, it is interesting to see the STI bucking the trend. It is up slightly by 0.2%. And at the top of the table, you've got the likes of Johnny Matheson and Hong Kong Land. Both of them up at least 1%, followed by Taibaf and DBS. Uh, DBS, incidentally, was the top loser for the entire of last week, uh, down at least 3%. Okay, at the bottom is Dairy Farm International, down 1%. Also, SGX and Capital DC REIT, down at least 
1%. So maybe the feel-good mood from the National Day rally uh, with the, for example, restrictions set to be lifted for mask wearing indoors, that is possibly just uh, lending some cheer to the markets. Improving sentiment. All right. Wonderful. Thank you for joining us, Ryan. First day back at work, still straddling two worlds, he says. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A W E D I O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.